All right, hello. Yeah, that's nice. That's good today. Something about the season, right? I don't know. Um, yeah, my name's Austin. I don't know if I said that yet. Uh, it's usually how it goes with me. Um, I'm a part of the team here at Waypoint. <clears throat> and last week, Pastor Blair, yeah, he, some of, I heard no, he loves it when you call him Pastor Blair, just so you know. And we're always like, dude, you, I mean, you, you are a pastor. Like, you know that, right? Like, don't, don't call me Pastor Anyway, he started our Christmas series. Um, and are you still? And he started this series off with a question. Are you at peace? Which, we were, I was sitting in the service last week, and um, I, I, I kind of chuckled a little bit. Um, because Tracy then blurted out sometimes, <laughs> which is hilarious. But at the same time, too, I kind of chuckle because I'm like, that's a rhetorical question, especially during the holidays. Um, the American Psychological Association recently released an article that said nearly 9 in 10 U.S. adults are stressed about something during the holidays. Are you at peace? You're joking, right? That, that's kind of how, how I first thought, like I thought he, he was joking. Um, and then... We looked at the chaotic life of the Apostle Paul, whose life was, was stressed to the max, and yet he wasn't stressed. In fact, he seemed to be at peace in the moments when his anxiety should have been at an all-time high. Why is that? Well, Paul knew the truth, and he believed the truth and had faith in that truth and that faith brought a way of peace in his life. An element of the truth Paul believed is that he is loved. So my question for you today is, are you loved? Odds are, you probably know the answer to that one. Are you loved? Yes? <laughs> right? Okay. Again, my, in my mind, most of you, when I ask that question, it almost sounds rhetorical because it's like, of, of course. Right? You, some of you might even have like rolled your eyes a little bit because um, you're like, of course I'm loved. The Bible tells me so, Austin. Right? Some of you that sing those songs to your children, you are loved. That is what we're talking about on a Sunday morning? Seriously? Right? Are we going to be doing arts and crafts later? Snack time after that, Austin? Some of you who um, didn't go to Sunday school are now a little confused and probably a little bit hungry. I don't have a snack for you. I apologize. Um, but yes, you are loved is essentially my message today. <laughs> um, but bear with me. Because um, before we go any further, I want to share with you, uh, I want to share a little bit with you guys, which will lead me into a story. Some of you may know this already. I graduated from Northridge in 2012, yes, the Northridge just down the road, um, back when the world was ending, okay, apparently it still is, but 2012, that's when I graduated, um, and I was the freshman um, in the new high school building, the first freshman class to be in the new building, and one of the things that came with this new high school building was a new like rec center area 
with a climbing wall and a high ropes course. And as a freshman, you have to take freshman PE. Like, that's, that's what you do. You take freshman PE, and then you never have to take PE again. I don't know why. I don't know why you just have to do it as a freshman, but you just never have to take it again after that. So, took freshman PE class, and so I was in the first class that gets to try out this new climbing wall and high ropes course, which was really exciting. But before we got to that point, we spent a week, it might have been longer, I, I, I don't remember very well, but we spent a long time, at least a week, learning about all of the climbing gear and safety protocols, like all of the language, like belay on, on belay, I heard someone back there, right? You went to Northridge too? Yeah? Okay, no, anyway. Um, so we learned, we learned about all, the, we learned about how the ropes and the carabiners, right, could hold up a car with you inside of it, right? And they wouldn't snap, bend, break in the slightest, okay? Kind of a big deal. So we learned all of this information, we learned all of this lingo, um, and then we would practice it on the ground. So like, on belay. Play on. All right. Move your, move your carabiner here. Move it there. Do the thing. And then, like, we would do that all week long, up, building up until we could finally go up the high course. And, like, all week long, you know, we're on the ground, and the teacher's like, hey, don't forget to. And we just, like, we wouldn't even let them finish their sentence. We'd be like, I know. I know it. All right? I get it. I know what I'm supposed to do. We've been doing this every day for a week straight. I know. And so you would think, after a week of learning and practicing, the same thing, over and over again, you would have like a sense of security, a sense of peace, like I know, I got this, I'm ready. And yet, every time we went up the high ropes course without fail, someone would totally freak out, totally freak out, like meltdown. And you'd be like, what, what is going on? Is the carabiner snapping? No. Is the rope breaking? No. Have they completely forgotten what they're doing up there in the first place? No. Then what is it? What is happening? 30 minutes before, we had all the information. We had it all figured out. They knew and believed that they were completely safe up there. But when it came to really trusting that you were safe up there, especially when you've got to come down because you kind of just have to like step off the ledge, their actions betrayed what they believed. So yeah, the point of my message today is you are loved. And again, it's my guess that for many of you, your response would be, I know, I know, I know that. And yet, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, he begins to tell us, so we have come to know and believe in the love God has for us. And then he gives us two attributes, two attributes that characterize people who know and believe in, in the love that God has for us. The first one, in verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
He says the people who know and believe they are loved by God are characterized by a fearlessness. They are not an anxious people. The people who know that they are loved by God aren't stressed, not fearful, not anxious. There is a wonderful, sweet confidence about them. And not only are they fearless, they're free. Free to love other people. You see it in verse 7 of the same chapter. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Beloved, let us love one another, he says. Why? He doesn't, he doesn't say love one another because you will be rewarded. He doesn't say love one another or else God's going to punish you. He's going to be mad at you. There's no pleasure offered and there is no punishment offered, no threat offered. But he gives a reason, right? He does give a reason because love is from God. Love one another because love is from God. And everyone who knows God loves God and loves God loves others. The beloved Love. So those people who know and believe that God loves them are free to go love other people. Are you loved? Yes. Absolutely. Most of us probably already knew this. I know. But would most of us say that our lives are characterized by a fearlessness and a freedom to love other people? I'm not so sure. But those are the exact characteristics that define someone who knows and believes that they are loved by God. So we say, yeah, I know it. Yeah, I know it. I've, I've been, my whole life, there's a song about it. But then our actions really betray what we really believe because here's the deal. We are afraid. We are an anxious people. Our society, especially our young people, are experiencing record levels of stress and anxiety. Just like it was 2,000 years ago, our world is still in desperate need of people who are fearless and free to love because they know and believe in a God whose love casts out all fear. I think part of the problem is that it's pretty easy for anyone to say that you're loved. Jesus loves you. You've probably heard that before. And when we hear it enough times, it just becomes, yeah, I know. Thanks. Have a good day too. But how do you know? How do you know that Jesus loves you? Well, how do you know that you're loved by anyone? You can't necessarily see it or touch it necessarily, right? You can't be like, hey, what, what do you have in that cup right there? A little cup of love? Got a little cup of love right there? You can't do that. That's not a thing. No one can say, I mean, I guess, like if 
I'm making soup. I don't know. I'm not even going to go there, but I could be like, it's love for you. I made it for you. Out of my love. Anyway, you can't do that. You can't necessarily see it. You can't necessarily touch it. Some of you, there might be a romantic in the room. Maybe. Anyone a self-proclaimed romantic? <laughs> no one's going to raise their hand on that one. You know what? I'll raise my hand. I am. Morgan knows it. My wife knows it. Okay. Some of you, if you're romantic, you might be Austin. Love, love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel its effects. And I would say, yeah, that's right. For the most part, that's true. That would be correct. Okay? And, and of all things, I actually think to some extent Hollywood gets this right. Because I want to think about it. Let's, let's think about some of our favorite movies. I would suggest that they do three things to show you that love exists so that you know it and believe it. The first thing they show you is that love sends. Love sends. Love initiates. Love sends texts. Love sends letters and notes. Love sends flowers. In the movies, you'll never see a guy who finally discovers that he loves a girl, like really loves her, really loves her, like cashing out his singleness for her, okay? You'll never see this happen. You'll never see him like sitting on the couch and then he has the thought, comes to the realization, I love her. Weird. Right? You just wouldn't see that happen. That wouldn't happen in a movie. They don't just go on, right? What would he do? They would rise. They would get up. I love her. And it would be that scene in the movies where the guy gets up and he sprints to the airport. He sprints through airport security, yells out her name, stops her right before she gets on the plane, confesses his love to her, and then gets decked by airport security, right? That's how it goes. Okay, Princess Buttercup. <laughs> someone, someone said yes. Princess Buttercup. How does she know? She says, my Wesley, my Wesley will always come for me. How does she know? How does she know this? Because it's true love. <laughs> right? Love does not sit still. Love rises. It sends. It goes. Second, love sacrifices. Love will give itself for the beloved. Jack will give up his life so that Rose can stay afloat on the door that definitely does not have enough room for both of them. Right? Speaking of Frozen, Anna will step in front of the falling sword. Why? Because it's true love that thaws the frozen heart. Love will surrender its body to the flames for the beloved. Love sacrifices. And lastly, true love stays. It stays. It delights in the beloved and will stay even when it is hard. So Noah will read, will stay and read the notebook to Allie, even though she has Alzheimer's and can't even remember who she is. Right? I'm not going to lie. I had to search for this one. Okay? Or just like any Hallmark Christmas movie, <laughs> everything's great at first, and then everything's not, and it's terrible and it's bad, and they got to go home for the holidays to their small town where it's Christmas, and everybody knows them, and it's terrible, or they think it's going to be terrible, and, and 
Then they find love. They rekindle this old relationship, and they find love, and then after the holidays, they save Christmas. They save their family's farm, right? And then after the holidays are over, what does this person do? They don't go back to the city. No, that wouldn't be a Hallmark movie. No, they stay. (laughs) They stay. Forget my, my flat in the city and my job. I'm gonna go Christmas trees, right? That's every Hallmark movie plot for you in one sentence or multiple sentences, I don't know, one paragraph. All the women are laughing. (laughs) Okay. I'm the only one that my wife makes or yeah, watch these Hallmark movies, all right. Good for you guys, tell me your secret. Think about our wedding vows also. I mean, here's really um, our wedding vows. What do we say when we want to declare that we truly love the other person we're up there with? We say, for richer, for poorer, for better, or for worse, in sickness and in health. Why do we say that? Because everyone understands that when someone declares, I am staying with you, even when it's good and when it's not, when it's great and when it's hard, I'm staying with you even when everyone else walks out. When that is declared, everybody knows true love exists because love stays. And the movies in Hollywood will keep coming back to these three things because they know That we know when we see these things, we know true love exists. Why am I talking about this? Because it is these three things that we see show up in God's love in 1 John. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. And the word manifest, the root of that word is the word light, right? So it's almost as if like a light switch was turned on, okay? And the reality, love, the reality that God has for us to live in, that love that we should experience and know, it's like it just, it gets illuminated. It becomes our reality. We, kinda, we just went through a five-week series on First John. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch that. Or you're like, no, I'm never doing that again. Whatever. Listen, it's like a light flip got switched on. And so that's the reality that we are in. We are loved by God. This love has been revealed to us. In this love, God, in the love of God, in this, let me slow down. The love of God was made manifest before us. That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. How do you know you're loved by God? Love sends. And God didn't just send a text. He didn't send a letter. He didn't stop at a book or a prophet. He sent his best messenger, his son. The arrival of Jesus Christ on the planet is exhibit A of God's love for you. Christmas, the reason for the season, Advent, when we anticipate the sending and the arrival of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. Love sends. 
That's why we're in this season, and we remember this season, and we come back to it every year to remember love sends. In this, the love of God is manifest. Why? So that we might live fearlessly free through him. How do you know you're loved by God? Love sends and love sacrifices. Verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation. It's one of those big church words. But essentially, it communicates atoning sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus for us is what he's getting at here. Jesus, who took on all of our sin and brokenness. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Because love sacrifices. That's what it does. And so it grabs this word, propitiation, which is temple imagery language for a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, in the center of Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, sorry, I kind of mixed those two, Jerusalem, the city of peace, Jerusalem, there was a temple of God. And in the center of this temple of God, there was a room called the Holiest of Holies. And in the center of that room, there was a box. And in that box was the perfection of God etched into stone, the law. And no one could obey that law. So no one was allowed in that room. Except, and like here's, it was a representation. That was a representation of our distance from God. Because of God's holiness, his purity. So, because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, there's this separation in the holiest of holies. There's this box inside this box. There's this law. There's this perfect manifestation. No one was allowed in there. Except for one time a year, a priest would enter and would take the blood of an innocent lamb. A lamb would die for us. And it would pay for what we've done. And then he would take that blood of the lamb and he would spill it or sprinkle it on the lid of that box. And that too is a representation of that when God looks down on us, when God looks down on you and me, he no longer sees the ways that we've messed up, sees the ways we've fallen short. He now sees the payment of an innocent lamb for our sins. So that communion with God, fellowship with God can be restored. And that bloody lid had a name, the mercy seat, the propitiation, Jesus. In Isaiah 53, 6, we read, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. We are all broken and partly responsible for the way the world is. And Jesus, seeing that our source of life has been cut off and that eternal love can't flow through us, Jesus comes and lives a perfect life that we could not. And he pays the debt that we could not pay. How do you know you're loved by God? Look at the cross. Is Jesus Christ running towards you? Him seeing the obstacle of your sin, the crap that's stealing your joy, stealing your peace, 
sapping your strength and your hope in a season when we should be having all of those things. Jesus sees this and he says, I'll take it from you. He takes that sin, he absorbs it, he absorbs the debt for you. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be right with God, so that we might truly know God and know that we are loved by God. How do you know you're loved by God? Love sacrifices. And then love stays. He stays. In verses 12 and 13, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Friends, when you put your faith in Christ, when you trust in God's love for you, God says, I'll stay with you. For better or for worse, in sickness and in health, I'm not going anywhere. And some of us, some of us still get caught up in this lie. The lie that, that he wouldn't love me. God couldn't love me if he knew, if he knew what I've done. He couldn't possibly forgive me. I'm too far gone. Friends, God knows what he's got with you. He's not shocked or surprised by you. He knows who you are. Don't belittle the sacrifice of Jesus by pretending your sin is too big because it's not. Jesus sacrificed for you and then he looks you in the eye and he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. Emmanuel, God with us. He stays. in spite of all we are. He stays when we choose him. He loves us. Band, you guys can make your way up on stage. As we continue through uh, this Christmas series, this Advent series, as you guys move along, um, your advent on, on our way to, to Christmas. I hope and pray that uh, when you're tempted, when you're tempted to question, are you still loved? You remember that you are indeed still loved. That the answer is still yes. You are loved. That when Jesus came as a baby some 2,000 years ago, God's love for us was revealed. 
A love that sends, that sacrifices, and then stays. So no matter what this holiday season brings, it's different for all of us. No matter what sort of thoughts and feelings arise, no matter what life decides to throw at you in the coming year or years to come, I hope you know the heavens smile on you when you are in Christ. You are favored, as we learned last week. Your failures don't define you. Your shame doesn't define you. Your history doesn't define you. The stress and anxiety and fear will not define you when you are in Christ. In Christ Jesus, you are loved. And we all said, and I know, right? We're going to join our artists for worship, and we're going to sing a song. It's about love, and it's about how uncomplicated this love is for us. And so they're going to ask you to stand, and I would just encourage you, as we think about love, as we consider God's love for us, I pray that we remember that love, and then we go and be that love out for a world that needs it so much. Amen?